0: Julie Gould and this is Working Scientist and Nature Careers Podcast and in this episode I'm exploring the PhD thesis. Now from what we've gathered the PhD training system is undergoing change or is still undergoing change but whatever the PhD training ends up looking like it will one way or another need to be assessed. So I wrote about this in 2017, asking whether or not the PhD thesis needed updating, overhauling and or scrapping. And when I was at the Revisiting Forms and Forces of Doctoral Education Conference in Hanover in September this year, I asked Janet Metcalf from Vitae to give an overview of what the current assessment of PhD training looks like.
3: And the examination process um, reviews the research. It looks to see whether or not that researcher has... Can, has done that research and, and done it well, and by that deduces whether or not we've got a trained researcher. If we step back and, and look about if we were designing the system for scratch, would this be the way you would want to identify or, or examine whether or not you have a trained researcher? So I think we need to be really brave and say, let's fundamentally look at the way we examine doctoral degrees and look more in terms of how do you assess whether somebody is a trained researcher.
0: Now, one way to train researchers is to make sure that they are aware of how their work fits into the bigger picture. At the same doctoral education conference, I asked David Bogle, the Vice President of Research at University College London, about how University College London has made it mandatory for all PhD candidates to include a one-page impact statement in their thesis as a way of making sure that they understand how their work fits into the bigger picture and has an impact in any way, whether on society, on their research, just on themselves.
2: What we really wanted, part of the institutional mission, uh, the mission statement of our, well, mission statement, the current strategy of the institution, there's three lines, leadership, leadership, cost-disciplinary and impact. We want our research to make an impact. So if we want our research to make an impact, we have to be persuading our researchers that they have to think about the impact that they're going to make. So in order to support and reinforce that, we introduced that there should be a, just a one-page impact statement. At the front of the thesis, there's an abstract and then there's a statement that says, this is the difference that it's going to make in the world. Now, it's we have various training things about what that might mean, uh, and it's very varied because it's not a narrow view of impact. It's any impact this might have on the curriculum, on society, on business, on anything. What difference is it going to make in, in the world? And eventually, I see these impact statements as improving. I think some people from outside will look at it and think, well, oh, what's all this about? But, um, but uh, you know, as, they, as we move on, you know people will get better at articulating just in one page this is the difference this is going to make uh, make to the world and eventually we get more to being a bit more predictive about it at the end of there hasn't made an impact but this is what I but this is why I've done it and this is what it's going to do because I was also a bit tired myself of when I examined even engineering PhDs sometimes they duck that question and you think engineering has to make a difference in the world but everything, all of this research enterprise, we need to be thinking about what different. It might not end up making that difference, but they need to at least be thinking about it right from, well, certainly from the end of the thesis.
0: So this was part of a discussion about skills development and labour markets. So what sort of skills are you hoping that people will develop by having to write this impact statement as part of their thesis?
2: Um, well, that's, that's, uh, the skills development is a much broader thing because doing the thesis, thinking about things... Uh, thinking about their own personal development, doing courses, doing also that sort of skills development. The impact statement itself, I would have said it's about thinking, uh, it's about uh, the, the difference that the work is going to make, so it's not a skill in that sense. I guess it's just like writing an abstract, how do you do that clearly and crisply? How can you communicate that something with which is clear and crisp with evidence of some sort, or some at least argument, uh, and everybody needs to do that. We need to do that in academia, we need to do that when we write um, significant statements in uh, in journal articles, and if you go into the private sector, the board wants a one-page, what difference, why should I put money into this?
0: Another way to assess whether or not someone would make a good researcher is to see if they've published any work. As some programmes require their PhD researchers to publish their research during a PhD, others don't. Some people have a PhD thesis by publication, others don't. In a commentary that Anne-Marie Coriat from the Wellcome Trust wrote for Nature Human Behaviour, which was published in October this year, she argues that having the experience of publishing is a good thing, but making it mandatory might not be.
4: If asked, do I think that students should publish? Uh, the answer to that, or do I think it's a good thing? The 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 short answer is it is not a bad thing, and learning writing skills is a hugely important part of PhD training. If asked the question in a slightly different way, do I think it should be a requirement that all students publish in peer-reviewed journals in order to pass a PhD? My answer is absolutely emphatically no. Um, to sort of determine that uh, publication in a peer-reviewed journal and often that's translated into and one with high impact factor or one word um, sort of summary is then driving pressures on the system which say that you can predict the way that science is going to develop. And I think that's quite unhealthy in many ways.
0: But what if, like Janet Metcalf suggests, the thesis is completely revamped? Throw the old style out the window and start with a blank canvas. What would this new form of assessment look like? Inga Mewburn is an associate professor and the director of research training at the Australian National University. And she's also the author of the blog Thesis Whisperer. And she believes in a portfolio system like the one that is used in architecture, which is what she initially trained in. The
1: way that architecture is assessed is through a portfolio And what you do is you spend years, you know, studying and you make a range of buildings, you know, you draw them, you make models, you take photos and so on. And then just before you graduate, what you're expected to do is to take a piece of work, maybe redraw some of them, write a bit about them, put them in context and create sort of like a book, a lookbook if you like, sort of like a fashion lookbook. And it's got writing and it's got drawings, it's got photos and it's got maybe some certificates that you got along the way that you demonstrated that you learn about fire hazards or something, and you put it all in the form of a book that an employer can look through, and the book represents you. It's your portfolio. So the portfolio can contain anything, but what it is is kind of um, a collection of objects and a narrative that tells people who you are as a designer. And I think... I like, I'm attracted to this idea for the PhD because the portfolio idea is quite flexible and what I don't like about some of the things that have been suggested to fix it, like, oh, let's whack a bit more coursework in there, is is it's sort of at odds to what the enterprise of the PhD is. The PhD is meant to turn out individual, beautifully crafted, entirely bespoke and unique knowledge creators and we need people like that. That's in this world where we're getting increasingly um, we need creative people with with really different sorts of talents. We don't want to turn out just cookie-cutter researchers. We want to turn out a really wide range of different people and a portfolio sort of gives you the chance to say, well, you can include all sorts of objects in it. Maybe you've done some coursework, maybe you've written a paper, maybe you've done... Journal articles, or maybe you've done presentations. Maybe you've done three-minute thesis. Maybe there's some video of you in there, and there's also a narrative about who you are.
0: Would you would yeah. you include like a, a Viva Voce style assessment to go with it as well?
1: I think you absolutely would. I think that um, a portfolio makes. The most sense when the person narrates it, and that's the point of, of the architecture portfolio. So, you meant to put it on the desk in front of either an assessor or an employer, and you turn the pages and you talk them through everything you've done, why you've done it, what you learned from it, um, you know, what you would have done differently. You know, so it becomes a, a conversation that is someone sort of and look how you, how you set a set of standards or criteria for what something like this looks like is challenging but I would draw everyone's attention to the fact that we don't really have a benchmark or set of criteria or effective rubric for the PhDs as we have them at the moment.
0: Gillian Houston is the chair of the UK Council of Graduate Education and she thinks this model would be a great step forward but it would still need to be accompanied by more traditional aspects of the PhD thesis.
4: So I, I feel that that's very appropriate to architecture but I also think that those, those elements would have to be accompanied by a review of the literature or a review of design in your field and, and how it's relevant to your work. And, and, and I mean an analytical review. So you could say what you think, you have to say what you think is good and what is not so good. And a con- general contextualization of your work in the wider world. And I also think you would have to have certain academic conclusions. So I think those are very good developments, but I don't think it's like a replacement. I think they have to be integrated into um, a coherent whole, which is true at the time you graduate.
0: Now Janet Metcalf believes that the future of PhD assessment needs to include an assessment of researcher development, as well as of the work that they do.
3: If you are assessing competencies, you would do it through, I mean, somebody would have to review that. Um, so in, in, certainly in the way we've been looking at recognition of researchers' competencies, we're using skilled assessors, you know, those that are used to dealing with that sort of qualitative information, um, doing independent reviews by several assessors who then come together. In the same way, you get academics to do that initial review of the thesis, then the similar process in terms of reviewing the portfolio of evidence around their skills and competences and then they come to a joint conclusion as to whether or not that evidence is is robust and sufficient in order to uh, identify somebody's skilled
0: researcher thank you to janet metcalf david bogle Anne marie coriat and Gillian houston for their contributions to this episode and thanks as always go to you for listening i'm julie gould